Hello again, my name is David Svi Kalman, and you're listening to the Sermon Slam podcast. Sermon Slam is like a poetry slam, but it's for sermons, for stories, for plays, for poems, for anything else that doesn't take too long to tell. Each Sermon Slam event focuses on a Jewish theme, and some of each night's performances are posted online. We're just a few days away from Purim, so in this podcast, we're going to play you a couple of performances from our second Jerusalem event, for which the theme was Amalek. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the concept, a brief word on Amalek. In the Hebrew Bible, Amalek is this kind of Jewish people's boogeyman. Amalek is a nation which attacks the Jewish people while they're in the desert on the way to Canaan after having left slavery in Egypt, which is basically this incredibly vulnerable time for the Jewish people. Because of what Amalek did, God commands the Jews to utterly destroy and the Bible says literally to erase the entire nation of Amalek. And hundreds of years later, King Saul almost does this, but he doesn't have the heart to finish the job. Although we have no idea whether Amalek actually existed or exists as a nation, the legend of Amalek lives on in Judaism, and the rabbis connected many of the Jews' worst enemies with Amalek, most notably for our purposes, Haman, who is the antagonist, the villain of the Purim story, which is why we're playing you this episode before Purim. Now, the fact that the Torah says that the Jews were basically supposed to commit genocide against an entire nation, you know, this has troubled Jews for a long time, and one of the many ways of dealing with it has been to think about Amalek not as an actual nation, but as some kind of idea or even a force in the universe which needs to be purged. And a really great example of this is the winning performance of the evening by Candace Middle. Here's Candace. He survived the hate that has no base through secret farmhouse cupboards, crawled through hidden starving ways, a grueling struggle to lengthen his days. Smuggled through with the French underground, his parents murdered on an unknown date. A German Jewish boy of just 14 years old. This is the story that I was told. From Carl to Charlie as it was written, my grandfather's name was changed. When he got off the boat, so a few letters were lifted. But something deep in his soul surely had shifted. He should have wanted a deep revenge, a burning desire inside. Get back at your enemy, put up a fight. Never forgive, show them who's right. Remember what Amalek did to you on the road as you came out of Egypt. What Amalek did to you, remember, every January, February, March through December. But wait, let us look again at the text. Remember what Amalek did. Blot out the Mm, from under the skies. But this mm determines who lives and who dies. Mm. This mm is not Amalek himself. This mm is not our enemies. The mm is the memory that inside us still thrives. So to blot out the memory is to take control of our lives. To blot out the memory of Amalek is to blot out the power these memories have. Victimization over and over. Victimization over and over. Over and over and over until... Wait. And suddenly, it hits like a bus. Are we doing to others what has been done unto us? Take revenge unto those who have hurt us. Take revenge unto those who have killed us. I know it's hard to bottle those feelings, but that's the process of really healing. 
Who am I to say these things? I know it's what you're all thinking. What does it mean to survive persecution? If I don't know, how can I offer a solution? You're right. I don't know how it feels to survive mass murder or genocide. So don't take it from me. I'm only a kid. So listen instead to what my grandfather did. You'd think 10 years would not be enough for these kinds of feelings to pass. You'd think there'd be a lingering anger, hate, and despair. But my grandfather hired a German au pair. For his children he did it, a bold, defiant move. But as the only survivor in his family, he hired a nanny based on where she was from to teach that we don't blame the masses for the sins of just some. No, we don't blame the masses for the sins of just some. In fact, this German nanny had a cousin, and that cousin was Hermann Goering, one of the highest-ranking Nazis who reported directly to Hitler. But my grandfather would stand here and look you in the eyes. You don't blame a girl for her family ties. Mm. So then how do I reconcile the command to kill every Amalek I see? To kill every Amalek man, woman, and infant we laud? How can I believe in that God? Instead, I blot out the memory of Amalek, as my grandfather would tell me today. Blot out the memory before the hate stems, so you never come close to becoming like them. And I want to tell you that my grandfather lived a life of true Torah values. He was kind, he was giving, he always had patience, made a point to march in every civil rights demonstration. He treated everyone fairly, but it goes more than that. When his friend couldn't pay for his son's funeral, my grandfather, who surely did not have much, gave him the money. And there are so many stories as such. When my grandfather saw the janitor at work one day stealing money from the vending machine, he would not say a word. No, he would not make a fit because he knew how badly she must have needed it. <coughs> my grandfather helped those less fortunate than him. He always stuck up for the little guy. So when did he get mad? He had nothing to hate. He got mad when you didn't finish the food on your plate. <laughs> See, to blot out the memory of Amalek is to recharge your energy towards something else. See, to blot out the memory, here's the chiddush I give, is to create a society in which Amaleks cannot live. The philosophy which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war is a war that until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation. By the way, Sermon Slam is currently running a Kickstarter campaign. And I know that people say this all the time, but we really can't keep making more Sermon Slam episodes and events without you. And it would be too bad if Sermon Slam didn't keep running. 
Between now and Pesach, the Open Quorum development team is coordinating sermon slams in Berkeley, in Boston, and Brandeis, and that's just the bees. Right now, we also have a special pre-Purim sale on the Kickstarter page, so you should check that out. Find the link right now at www.openquorum.org. Now, a bunch of the Jerusalem performances were delivered in rhymed verse, including the evening's third-place winner by Charlie Buckholtz. Here's Charlie with a performance that, to quote one of the lines you're about to hear, I'm going to call, Is there ever a time to do just what's right? Backseat, BMW SUV. Back streets of Queens careening by me, through me, and the window making me wonder how it is I ended up here. Midday, midlife, midweek, on a visit to sit with the family of a dead guy I'll never meet, mm-hmm. taking lessons from a driver who knows he's in the driver's seat. It's this kid's car, he's 15 years my junior. Pops just gave it to him the day before the funeral. Now they're schmoozing pros and cons of the onboard computer. Mm-hmm. Apparently it was between this one and a Mercury. Next, the conversation turns to pee-pee, naturally. Hey, Abba, how you pishing these days? Gotta love the Jews, right? They never quite fail to amaze. Anyways, Pops is obviously completely unfazed. No hesitation. Such a detailed explanation, it left me slightly dazed. Pops, you see, is my boss, the shul president. Pretend that we're friends. Maybe we are, but it's as irrelevant as the rain that was falling all around us that day pounding like a dozer, hounding me like a moser, making everything feel even smaller, closer. No, sir, I have a sudden violent urge to say, I am neither an imposter nor a dissident, okay? Still, I guess I'll keep the rain in the event, never know what details the future reveals to set new precedents. Can't say I remember what the thread was, guess I lost it in the dissonance. Oh yeah, that's when the talk wheeled into real estate. Father, son, heated debate. See, Pops is a mogul, owner of buildings. His ex-best friend once told me he only messes with tens of millions. Kid just out of college, time for him to learn the business. And so they spar over the value of a property, the cost of each unit when evaluated properly. First, squeeze every ounce of livability out of the living space. Next, squeeze every possible dollar out of each renter's face. Waxing fractions, equations I never heard of. The broken dreams of peoples divided by how a soul is murdered. Now, it just so happened that the previous day I'd received my very own notice of eviction, without delay. See, the building had recently changed ownership. New guy, infamous slumlord, beloved Jewish donor, Mm -hmm. shit, who planned to split our little one-bedroom in two tiny bits, throw down a carpet and some stainless steel appliances, increase the shininess, charge double and still call it a one-bedroom despite the minusness. Long-time tenants were now impediments to innovation. Out of endless slummy sleeves sprung months of dirty renovations. Dust choke construction, starting at Nate's. Mouse infestations, layer after layer of wet paint, no signs to set you straight. Mass emigration, self-deportation by all our neighbors, they had it. Uh-huh. Look, you don't get on the cover of the Village Voice by being mediocre at screwing people. <laughs> you strive for greatness at it. Still, me and my girl, we like the spot. We brave the dangers, cast a master exterminator to squelch the mouse plot. Sometimes we felt like the last people on earth, stragglers haggling with this dystopian predator who dissessed us as worse than worthless. Then came the letter, sounded made up and fake, some legal loophole. You now have exactly one month to evacuate. Back in the beamer on the way to the shiva, I pipe in. It seems as good a time as never. Explain the situation to the boss men. Takes less than Kidea Achilas Pras till they agree with him. Blame the seller. 
other excuses. Dude has no choice. He does it any other way and he loses. So now I feel like we're on to something. This is my area of expertise, right? Afflict the comfortable, stand up for God or something. And so I pose what seems a reasonable query. Is there ever a time to just do what's right? Because what's right is clear. But there's no pregnant pause, no swollen moment of silences. The son, who knows exactly what the science is, replies with this. Rabbis make moral decisions, and that's why rabbis get paid by businessmen. <laughs> Again? Rabbis make moral decisions, and that's why rabbis get paid by businessmen. Whoa. And then... Rabbis make moral decisions, and that's why rabbis get paid by businessmen. The end. Back in the temple, when time was an anachronism and God was a mystery, whose signs were like backwards prisms, the priestly job was charged the price of admission, calf, ox, and turtle dove, whatever the dice provision. Holy functionary, Batman, these dudes were the hardest, one long, sharp fingernail, but not because they were cokeheads or classical guitarists. Purpose was ritual, practice habitual. They used it to slaughter little birds. This shit's not fictional or made up. It's right there in black fire on white fire. He'd slice that nail into the nape of its neck till Birdie's life expired. Woo. Not very pretty, but still kind of deep though. When you consider this way of killing was named Malika. That's the same letters as Amalek. That lazy nation of bottom feeders whose memory we're never free to shake. The ones who come after the weakest among us. Cut off the stragglers at the exodus without so much as a ruckus. Days passed before the devastation was known. We made our way through the desert limping on amputated leg bones. That's why it says, always remember, to always forget, to wipe their memory off the face of the earth like less than flotsam jetsam. But then again, always rem remember what's forgotten, because what you forget is what inevitably gets you in the end, son. <laughs> Those dusky corners of heart, soul, and psyche rotting from inattention. Did I mention total severing of the bird head is prohibited? Point isn't to kill us, just turn us into chirping, beheaded idiots who forever feel that pressure at the base of our necks. Nail against brainstem, whose refrain is just keep cashing them checks. It's the horizon, what we allow ourselves to train our eyes on, and that's why, son, you never see it. Until it's too late, shapes what you look at, sense, and allow yourself to contemplate. So I leave off with a question to pass the hours with. Does religion ever touch power? Do rabbis matter? Or are we just the bird head of the stragglers? That was Charlie Buckholtz. You can, of course, find more performances from the evening on YouTube, and we also tweet at Open Quorum. Our MC for the evening was Arye Bernstein. Thanks to Arye and Off the Wall Comedy Basement for hosting the event. We plan to have many more Jerusalem events, so stay tuned. Sermon Slam is a project of Open Quorum, a new online platform for creating, curating, and promoting excellent Jewish ideas and creative expression. Learn more about us at our brand new website, www.openquorum.org. We're bringing Sermon Slam all over the country in the next few months, and if you'd like us to bring Sermon Slam to your city, let us know at www.openquorum.org. We'll be back soon to bring you more Sermon Slam performances. My name is David C. Kalman, and you've been listening to the Sermon Slam podcast. <laughs>